0: everybody. Hey, hi. hey, family, Karma hi. fam. Karma fam. Hey, Karma fam. It's me. It's you, Deanna. <laughs> it's, and it's you, Indra. <laughs> I don't think we've introduced ourselves at the top of the podcast. No, in a very so long we're winning. Time. We're winning today. Um, it's actually like, I think it's snowing a ton on the East Coast yeah. right now. And it's like 65 degrees and beautiful and boulder today. So also winning. I was just. Running outside in a shorts, in shorts and t shirt. Oh my gosh. That's, I have always loved that about Colorado Mm -hmm. is that like in the winter, you get these days every once in a while, sometimes a lot, and it just makes winter so much easier. (laughs) I know. The little like the glimpses of the hot sun. Yes, it's wonderful. So we'll just do a quick intro for this podcast collaboration kind of that we did this yeah past it's a week. little bit of like a crossover a little bit um but they were definitely our guests we invited um the three hosts of the what is this behavior podcast which Deanna found how did you find it I don't know how but I found it through Twitter and No, I lied. I
1: didn't find it through Twitter. I Googled kind of Indian podcasts, kind of South Asian podcasts. I'm always just kind of on the hunt for people kind of doing something similar
0: that we're doing just to see what they're doing. Yeah, and what's really cool about them is that you'll hear right off the bat that they're not American. They're from the UK. They all live in London. I like love their accents. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... um. So we talked a lot about like their perspective on things as South Asians living in London versus America. And obviously there's a lot of crossover in our experiences, but it was just really fun to talk with them and kind of just like hear about what their experiences have been. Yeah, especially in comparison to ours and kind of like what they think of America. That was was one of my favorite (laughs) parts when they said what
1: they thought of America. Yeah,
0: so it was a really cool conversation like very insightful all three of them their names are Aaron Christian Ruben Christian their brothers which did you know that they were brothers beforehand N- uh, no I didn't pick up on that when I was listening to their podcast so that's cool and then um Almas Barat and they were just so wonderful like really wonderful so that's exciting but before we get into that I did want to mention that February is Black History Month And I put a thing on Instagram just kind of highlighting four podcasts that are hosted by wonderful people who watch Bravo and talk about pop culture and provide just a really important Black perspective on all of those things. So um, I wanted to mention them on the podcast as well. So Bravo Wild Black, we had them. We did a crossover episode of them. We love them. We love them. Um, mixing with Monty. Um, I love her. Chatted with her and we're going to do a collaboration with her at some point. Hopefully the spring, Um, Mocha Minutes, who we were on their podcast uh, a few weeks ago, which is super. She's amazing and hysterical, so funny. And what else (laughs) is going on? And those are just a few. There are more, but those are just a few we wanted to highlight. Like, please listen to their podcasts and support the black community especially in a space like bravo which i think we've said many times is like a pretty white space right um so getting their perspective and like championing it is really important there's a lot of stuff like there's a lot of stuff that has been coming up especially recently with racial politics right. that I just like hearing their perspective on. I think it's really important. Right. So Deanna has to run in a second, but I did want to say one more thing is that word on the street is that the Family Karma cast is filming confessionals this week, right now. Oh, really? And I heard from somewhere that like Anisha did an Instagram live or something where she mentioned that our premiere date might be in April. Oh, wow. So... Looking forward to that. Are there
1: any photos on Instagram right now of their confessional looks?
0: Uh yeah. You should there I mean they didn't say exactly that they were, right. but I'm pretty sure like all that glam is for is for that. I need to screen grab that shit. So yeah. Um check our Instagram. I've been like working really hard at putting Indra, more content on our you're Instagram. A
1: professional.
0: <laughs> you're a professional social social media person. I mean, not really, but um yeah. Follow us, get your friends to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Family and, Karma Cast with a K. And we're gonna be posting these updates on what's going on like as soon as we know it. Um I think I I don't know if we mentioned this last week, but the Family Karma premiere Last year was on March 8th, Sunday, March 8th, and or like the 7th or the 8th of March mm-hmm. on Sundays from 8 to 9 p.m. And Married to Medicine was just announced in that same time slot with like the same premiere date and time. So- if there's going to be Family Karma starting in April, does that mean it's moving to a different night? Oh, interesting. I mean, that's what I, I think. I thought, remember you and I staying up really late on Sundays? Yeah, because <laughs> for some reason it didn't come out until 10 p.m. I know. in On Mountain Time. And so we were like, fuck that. Like, I, I know. always had to watch it the next day. Me too. I know. But. I think they might be changing the wow. the weekday and I wonder who they'll partner it with, you know? I know. I mean, what if they partner it with New York? Oh, holy God. shit. What a night that would be. Could you imagine? I would I would be that would be my favorite night of the week. I know, me too. <laughs> Um, so anyway, we'll let you know as soon as we have more information on that. and And sorry for screaming into the microphone. I just got really <laughs> excited. <laughs> no, it is exciting. And um yeah, so we hope that you really enjoy this conversation that we had with the folks from what is this behavior podcast out of the UK. And thanks for listening. I just listened to your guys' podcast,
2: a couple episodes of it, and I love it. Jeez. Thank you so much. We've been doing the same. Well, I've just come off of listening to your um, episode about Bend It Like Beckham, which is hilarious. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So good. You were like, I was in London and it rained all the time. yeah yeah that was my
1: experience i i loved london i just didn't have any money to do anything but kind of like smoke pot and go to the the uh movie theater what yeah.
0: was what was Bendit like beckham like for people like south asians living in the uk was it as big of a i mean actually i'm sure i know it was as big of a hit but like was it as revolutionary for you all as it was for me as an Indian American? You
3: know what, Almas talks. Almas brings this Bend It Like Beckham up a couple times on a pod. Whereas for me, I think honestly, I haven't been that like in touch with South Asian or Indian culture over here. So for me, it was just a random film that I heard about. I watched it and didn't think too much about it. But Almas, it might be different for you, right?
2: Yeah, do you know what? I think for me, like I've we've got a lot of women in our family. And so my aunties also, um, so my grandparents landed in England, um, or, or, you know, after their journeys around the world. And um, my aunties were born in London. And so they were quite in touch with, or they are quite in touch with British Asian culture. And my mum is a massive, like, um, British Asian culture sponge I suppose and so we, we've gone to everything like the Bombay Dreams um, uh, production on Broadway we've like I've went and saw Bend it Like Beckham in theatre and at the time the film was massive in our family and um, a lot of the stereotypes and stuff were like bang on um, and my a lot of our, my family live in um, Hounslow which is where this is set and so it was just like looking at um, yeah just looking at our people <laughs> yeah was it
0: the first time you had kind of seen that represented on screen
2: yeah and so much so that I often forget that it's actually a reference because I think it might be the only one like when I think about yeah. like British Asian culture I think it might be the only one um, that's out there because we had an episode on our pod talking about um, South Asian representation in um, was it just cartoons or was it media in general um, I think it was maybe just cartoons. We, but... we
3: tried media in general, but we got as far as <laughs> cartoons. Like we got as far as Apu. We yeah. thought, Fuck it, it's a waste of time.
2: Yeah, like it begins and oh, ends there, God. right?
3: Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, what? Maybe one of the most like racist representations <laughs> of South Asians. Like, it it kind of can't get worse than that in some ways yeah
3: he's the epitome man he's like the master of racist representation and and you know what i think (laughs) the worst thing is it was so normalized and we talked about this in our episode it was so normalized for us that Mm. kind of self-hate in a way you know what i mean Um, until you grow Mm. up and you're like wait a minute what bullshit have we been living do you know what i mean yeah it it was it
4: was weird that episode because it evolved into basically our lack of fancy dress options which was like where you go to fancy dress and have no <laughs> idea like it ba- we basically landed on we either have to just all turn up as pants in pants because it's Mowgli or Dalsim <laughs> or some kind of South Asian character. Yeah. And, and pants for us means underwear because
3: for you lot it's trousers oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> okay. huh <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that's
1: so funny wait Ruben you said you were did you say you didn't really grow up um kind of immersing yourself in South yeah, Asian yeah I, I really
3: didn't so we're born so I was kind of like really brought up in um East London a place called Newham in East London which is where which is Stratford where the Olympics were for people that aren't too sure and this is a real like multicultural melting pot of ethnicities and cultures and so the schools I went to were pro- were really really mixed right and i tend to gravitate, i tended to gravitate towards the black community for the most part so i spent the majority of my upbringing just jamming with the black peeps you know um, so i'm never really in like indian or asian culture my mom tried to send me to like um a predominantly south asian secondary school but it lasted for a year and even she was like fuck this i'm taking you out <laughs> and then she took me out and she put me back into the into the other school with my with my friends
4: yeah i'd say all three, well i'm i i do not want to speak famous but it was similar to me so obviously i'm Ruben's brother so i same went to thing, the, yeah. pretty much the same schools and stuff and i don't know rubes if it was also down to the fact that i all kind of uh ha- how we kind of like floated through life or or the um trajectory was, was based around those that around us. So we were really driven by um, the church, which we were like, when we were young, not anymore, but I think we were like super religious and because there wasn't that many South Asian Christians, Mm -hmm. our peer group was mainly, especially in that area, East Asian, so Filipino, and then like African and West Indians. Um, And then also we fell into basketball rather than football, which is, (laughs) which isn't the norm here, football when I mean soccer. Um, and obviously that kind of peer group was was mainly kind of like people um, from the black community. So I think those two things shaped the directions of, of how we kind of move through the world during those early years anyway.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting.
2: Um, yeah, I was going to say for me, actually, um, I grew up in Zambia. So that was the first like 10 years of my life. And it was actually probably the closest I ever got to South Asian culture because um, I was in a Indian, predominantly Indian Gujarati um, community in Lusaka in Zambia and then coming back to London I was then in Hackney which is I guess kind of like as multicultural as like Brooklyn would be Um, so like lots of different kinds of people and then I went to school in Enfield and to a Christian school so that was going further out Um, so less diverse in the different kinds of people mainly um, African and Caribbean and English white people were at my school. So either way, like I wasn't around majority South Asian people. Um, and yeah, so I, similar to Rubes and Aaron, like I attached myself onto wherever I felt like close to or had, had, um, yeah, where I had those overlaps. In terms of whiteness, it was definitely trying to assimilate. And then in terms of um, the black community, I found lots of overlaps. So like food and you know just dress and cultural holidays and stuff like that. It was still both were still different, and so I was kind of interacted with both of them in lots of different ways.
1: And um, I just listened to actually the episode about interracial dating. But do you mind? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's a heavy. But just like um, like can you just tell our listeners like about kind of like dating, like whether you dated like other South Asians or you know what that path was like
2: with relationships. <laughs> oh hold on. Reuben and Aaron have both muted their mics.
0: I don't know. I I thought it
2: was an
1: amazing episode, and um, you guys touched upon a lot of- It's the
4: most popular episode we have. Oh, is it?
0: Interesting. Uh, um, Yeah, yeah,
4: but we don't know if that was- Because the timing of that episode, we we got pushed on Apple homepage. Okay. So obviously it was a huge spike, but actually in a way it was a good- episode that timing was perfect because it is it's something that so many people can relate to but yeah sorry Ruben, go for it I'll, I'll... No, also i was
3: going to say that the title is probably the most provocative title that we have um and i think that probably helps pull in pull in people but firstly disclaimer yeah i think we can only ever speak about our own personal mm. experiences so any of your audience <laughs> yes. that is listening this is not pigeonholing like mm. londoners or people in in britain but um i mean i'll speak on behalf of my experience i said on a podcast a couple of times i've been out on these streets um i haven't been like i've literally dated like all ethnicities near enough i haven't really um discriminated <laughs> but, but but i must say yeah the circles that i'm in like kind of leaves me with certain options and I think because I've been moving mainly within the black community at the time and I said in the episode within the black community like so within the South Asian community as a dark-skinned South Asian man I'm not held up as like the typically most attractive dude right usually it's fair skin so I'm like I'm like the outcast to an extent and I felt that growing up but when I was moving with the black community, I started to become this like exotic token. And I was like, oh, I'm going to run this shit for a little while. And, and I haven't stopped riding it, to be honest. And, and the feelings, the feelings I was getting, the love I was getting mainly from black women, it was just like, it felt good, man. That's the honest fucking truth. <laughs>
0: the, I can so relate to that. Like this yeah. tension between being exotified and being like, well, you know, it gets yeah, me it gets me places sometimes, you know, like <laughs> I'll <take that>. you <laughs> know, if that's what's gonna get that guy's attention, uh, then like okay. But also but then also obviously all the kind of like dark undertones that come with that that are mm-hmm, that are mm-hmm, insidious mm-hmm. and um make themselves known later on, I think. But mm. yeah.
4: I guess you don't really think about that when you're younger, though, right? Because you're th- there's all these other things that you're still trying to figure out first. <laughs> and then I think, especially with the pod, like we've we've had like the ability to kind of look back at those and then be like, wait a second, you know? Like I think it does come. It does Hang on a that, minute.
0: <laughs> totally.
2: How about you guys, Almas um, and Aaron? Um, go, well, Aaron, Aaron and I, I think bonded on the knowledge that was it yeah you and I bonded the noise that we've never actually kissed or been with a South Asian person at all me neither also since the pod as well out, the same <laughs> out. you know what it's mad like I think about it a lot now and I'm like I I don't know how I feel about that I'm not sure if it's something mm. I need to feel about as well um I think I I also had a trip to India a few uh, about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I had an immense sigh of relief when I was in um, Mumbai and I was looking around in this restaurant and I was like, there are so many sexy people here, <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, fine. I find I find South Asian people attractive. Yes. Okay. <laughs> fine. Great. <laughs> and I know that was a massive um, a massive part of it because I know that I really. Um, shrank my South Asianness in any spaces that I was in because it really felt like undesirable and uh, to, to be South Asian when I was growing up and um, and I'd say that that did internalize like self-hate you know and that and that's maybe like the more extreme side of it but if I'm being honest like it was something that I I liked being racially ambiguous like I liked people not knowing where I was from Mm, because it allowed me mm. to like flirt the lines wherever I was (laughs) Um, and so and so um yeah I'd say that um I have been also questioned on my partner preference over the years um mainly because my partners have been black um I'm just gonna set this cup down clearly it's getting serious (laughs) um (laughs) yes (laughs) but yeah I have been questioned and actually like and now I really welcome the questioning because really it's an opportunity to interrogate it myself. And it did get to a certain point when I was maybe in like my mid twenties where I was like, okay, let me actually sit down and find out like, why am I dating a particular kind of group of people? Is it because I'm in the social spaces? Is it a preference? Is it like a fetishization? Like I want to be able to know that within myself because I think it's really easy sometimes to dismiss it and be like well no like of course i wouldn't there's no bad intention but if you really check it we we're built up of so many different influences right and so i needed to make sure to myself and to any future partners that i was loving them for who they were regardless of where they were from and sometimes i think the easy answer is to say i don't see color um which like i i get but also, like I don't see colour in the sense that when I'm dating someone, I see their I see their spirit, and that's what I'm falling in love with. But that's not to negate the fact that their culture and their their race and how they're placed in the world is a massive part of who they actually are. And so I want to see all of that culture. I want to see all of that colour, and it, it enriches that experience a little bit more. So yeah, overall relieved that I find. South Asian people attractive <laughs> um, speaks more to my love for myself and my culture. So it's really I'm in a good place with it. That's great.
4: What about you guys?
2: I yeah. Well,
0: I want to hear from you first, Aaron. So
4: I can answer if yes, you Like my my side is a lot more boring than Ruben and <laughs> Alice's, but I think like mine was actually down to the fact that there hasn't been a period where I was single for a long period of time. I've I've actually just had long, really long relationships. So. Like, yeah, my first um girlfriend was uh where well, was she from? Grenada, uh, so West Indian, the Caribbean. Um, and then my wife is uh French Algerian, so from the Arab background. So yeah, it wasn't like a thing. I guess I'd I had a different experience with Ruben in that I didn't feel like I was like the South Asian community didn't find me attractive. I felt I got a lot of love from that community, but I think one of the One of the reasons why i probably didn't explore that again this is when i was younger i was fit like religion was quite a a big driver in in how i kind of moved around the world um so yeah i think because here in the uk south asians are usually not the majority christian they're either hindu muslim um, or sikh um that was just one of the reasons but um yeah just just that's I guess that's that's that that's how it ran for me
2: yeah music's a massive factor isn't it as well like we're listening to like hip-hop r&b like um afro beats reggae grime all of this stuff and
4: yeah but south asians were like bop into that in brunel and uni like they were like massively into black culture music from my um, like from my experience
2: True but also like so Aaron and I for context went to the same university at different times right and that uh, the did <laughs> Yeah we didn't even know um, but one of my biggest like memories because by the time I so I've been in a Christian school where there's not a lot of South Asian people and suddenly I'm at university where there's loads of South Asian people there's like Bhangra class yeah. there's this like I'm like whoa not really sure where I fit in. I ended up stay in in uh, or go into acs which is the afro-caribbean society which is where so i am actually-
4: so <laughs> did i that was the op society <laughs> yeah same and as ruben
2: as well yeah and um i remember and the reason why is because in the first couple weeks i was really aware that there was loads of south asian people around me and i heard one of them say the m-word in the background and i was like they're not my people mm straight away i just literally just i blanked it off and i was like no like Mm -hmm. then they're not my people and actually like the black community and my friends who are black are the people that really i think this is similar with Ruben and aaron really embraced us like it wasn't a thing like it was just like come in come and be part of the culture like you you can dance like learn this with us and that you know there's that saying like go where love lives for you right and that's what i think we all did is we all gravitated towards Because we otherwise we're just like this one person spinning around. Because we, I also was not in, or all of us weren't in, like majority South Asian cultures. Um, and I think now we're finding lots more people who are similar in that they've always been like one toe in, one toe out, or you know, Mm. being or being fluid as well with it. Um. So yeah.
3: Also to to add to that as well, yeah. And this is just from my experience, and I'll keep caveat in that on the come up the the south asian circles that were kind of near me right whether that was uni or secondary school or whatever the majority of those guys right were not guys and girls and everyone in between they were not doing anything and this is sounds so horrible but this is just my truth right they weren't doing anything exciting or interesting mm-hmm. in comparison to what the black circles that i was moving in were doing like with, with the south asian lot, like, it was like okay We already know we're going to uni to study this thing, because this is what we do. And I was like, okay, not interested in that. And then social social circles were like, we'll go out, we'll get absolutely smashed. We might fuck each other and make some mistakes, talk about it, not talk about it, get back (laughs) onto the normal career trajectory and then get married and silently suffer and not talk about what we really want to do. Like, and that's what I was seeing and feeling. And I was like, Mm. I can't man, Mm -hmm. I have to bust a left yeah that was my experience
0: (laughs) that's so interesting that you say like south asian the south asian circles they weren't really moving in the way that you wanted them to and it's like that's very honest and it's also a reflection of like that kind of self-hatred or whatever it is where Mm. what people project onto you turns into what you become and Mm to break out of that, sometimes you have to engage with other communities to be able to like, build a new path. And, and it's hard to do alone. So you need people with you.
3: Yeah, I agree. And you know, what I feel is is sad about that at times is that that narrative hasn't a lot of the time hasn't necessarily come from outside our culture, but within it, from the older generations, like they're handing down limited belief systems to the next generation. And t- and at times, cognitively trapping them within these limited possibilities, and so the cycle continues. You know, yeah. And that's that's always upset me.
1: Ruben, can you expand on that? Because just you know, I'm I'm white, and I I don't really understand what you're talking about.
3: So tradition is quite a powerful force within South Asian communities internationally, as far as I'm aware. Um, and within those communities, a lot of tradition is around family values um, and up upholding like old ideals of what it means to be a successful family unit. And uh, what falls under that is certain career trajectories, right? Mm-hmm. As we know, like doctor, dentist, accountant, lawyer. Um and so if you step out of line of that, what you're doing is I don't know how to put this, but
4: sustaining family legacy a lot of the time, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or
4: that's what they feel anyway.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah I, exactly i i feel that's the truth man and the older generation don't really want to mess that up um like i was listening to your podcast with um i can't remember her name now forgive me but the comedian that came on not too long ago oh,
0: subha yeah ah oh, it was she such was a dope amazing episode.
3: such a dope she was so honest and vulnerable yeah. with her story as well yes. and what she was talking about how her parents would literally check her pictures and send her screenshots. do you know what i mean like parents policing the the generation like that is what's causing a lot of people I think to stick to what they think is safe paths but Mm. ultimately isn't serving them Mm -hmm. and part
4: of the reason like that's part of the reason we actually started our show yeah yeah and I think I think the beauty of doing this now is that we're getting to read one on a personal level kind of like rediscover our kind of heritage and our culture and then I guess that was that was a similar kind of narrative in all our lives that we we kind of like we took a left turn because we wanted to, to feel con- empowered by like our career choices um and like what we're rediscovering now is like by speaking to people that all done that that kind of pushed back a little bit um one we're kind of like obviously understanding like similar patterns but i definitely feel the younger generation like are now having the ability to explore that unpack that and there's just so many people just pushing back and this is like and we're just at the tip of the iceberg like we're yeah. just lucky enough to kind of be able to speak to all these different people doing doing amazing stuff so yeah I think it, it's funny but timing is so important right like I think we had to kind of go through that and now we're having this kind of like okay. wonderful kind of space right. where we can kind of rediscover it yeah, yeah.
0: I it's well- so funny me looking at UK culture, I'm always like, ugh, stupid Americans. We're so, like, uncultured (laughs) and, like, we're just, like, trying to keep up and not getting there. And I, like, look at the UK, like, especially in music, but then also just I feel like the community there is actually just more diverse and there are more people of color, like, represented in creative spaces. So, like, is that... Do you guys feel that as people living in the UK? And then also I'm very curious to hear about what you guys think of like America oh, and racial hundreds. politics
3: Because it's a fucking mess.
2: And, and <laughs> no filter, please, no filter. No uh, filter, out please, please. Go. nice. Yes.
3: Out mass, go to
2: um So in terms of, one of the things that I think that um, I'm sitting in awe in right now um especially in the past like maybe 12 to like um 18 months is because we've been like signaling that we are South Asian because it first started with the journey within right actually being like oh my god I am actually South Asian whoa what okay cool now that I've now that I've realized that it's like let me find other South Asian people because funnily enough I didn't actually look at Ruben and Aaron as like South Asian, and I'm sure they didn't look at me at South Asian. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, like once we were like, hey, <laughs> like you're like me, we had like common ground. And then we're like now like this beacon of light, like just like, you know, like a lighthouse, like just being like, hey guys, we're South Asian, we're South Asian. And what what that's signaling to me is that like our experiences earlier on where we felt like we had to go left. There was probably like tons of us going left silently by ourselves. And because now there actually are like so many South Asian creatives and they didn't just like learn this stuff in the past year, right? These are people that are like chefs, jewelers, producers, whatever it is, podcasters that have been doing this and been on the grind for so long. And now we're all a bit more vocal. Um, And so in answer to your question, I'd say that um we're a lot smaller in in you know like London is just so small and so we're able to have like this overlap a lot like where even though some communities are isolated we're able to um for example I've got a radio show and in March it's Ghana Independence Day And my radio show is on the BBC Asian network. So I have to play, you know, um, a certain percentage of South Asian music and all of this kind of stuff. But I'm like, actually, what does the future look like for me? And what does um, overlap of culture look like? And so I'm gonna be running a section with one of my friends who's from Ghana about Ghana independence. And that's, I think we, as the next gen, or the gen currently actually not the next gen the gen currently pushing are pushing for that diversity and overlap because it's quite reflective of the spaces that we grew up in and we and you know when when you're at a rave like there is there's like white people next to east asian people next to south asian people next to um next to everyone really but we're in london and I think that's yeah, a, a bubble, major thing so. as well. Yeah, 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 it really is a bubble, and it is not reflective of like Hull, or I don't even know. she's so true. Like if you go yeah. to, if, if
3: you go to Middle England, it is a total different ball game, man. Yeah, Brexit like, so kind of showed us that,
4: didn't it? Brexit, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I feel <laughs> tense when I get on the train outside of the M25. I'm just like. Nah, I'm not doing this. Yeah. yeah I think that's... we
4: feel the same about
2: America though, right? Like I think it's
4: like you have those kind of you guys have it more in the coastal big cities, right? Like right. which is similar to like for us, like Manchester, Liverpool, London, um, Edinburgh and then I don't know, do you call it the Bible Belt in the States yeah. or something uh, like that? The, it, yeah, that's yeah, like, one way.
0: Okay, the South. Cool, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> um, I am somewhat. I, there's like, you know, there's Miami and there's mm. like bigger cities that are more like diverse and less mm. conservative and Trumpy and all that. So,
4: right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because we, me and my wife, had like a, a math like our first wedding anniversary in April gone planned for New York. And we had it planned down to a T and like we've both been to New York so many times, um, by ourselves, we not together. And I think last year was the first year we're like, do we really want to go back to the States? Mm-hmm. Like, right. like it wasn't a priority anymore. Like I think maybe obviously we'll feel it out and, and see how it is. I don't, for me personally, I don't think, like the the, the coastal cities are backwards I I feel there's obviously clearly like a huge divide as there is here now like it's it's just it was always there there's just now a spotlight and a camera and um, on all the shit stuff that's going on so yeah also
3: Indra in, in regard to your question like our thoughts of America right to be totally honest with you like I've always been totally I mean the words we use over here is gas like totally gas have you guys heard that word before yeah gas yeah like I've been it's like
2: hyped hyped.
3: yeah like in awe of like in awe of and I I think that's down to the the bubble the consumption bubble that I reside within right and everyone's got their bubble like whether it's and it's the fucking algorithms that are controlling this (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like do do you know what I mean and so the algorithms have fed me like stories about America. I mean, on one side, there's amazing creativity, like what's mm-hmm. coming out in terms of Hollywood and the shows and the film industry is absolutely amazing. And some of the TED Talks from the American people is absolutely dope. And then on the other side, you've got the po- political situation with, with the Trump stuff going on. So it's a total mix, but I think I've taken a lot of creative inspiration from what's come out of America over my, over my career. And, and hats off, I think you guys are quite dope at eh? yeah innovating and stuff
0: well honestly. that is good to hear <laughs> but i feel
1: like i feel like british culture i'm i'm gonna say i'm in music like takes american stuff and kind of reworks it and makes it their own and then americans are kind of in awe does that make sense
3: is it isn't all creativity just constant remixes Yeah. so we like it never is. really know where anything's come from right it's
4: hard yeah, I, yeah but I, I there's, think there's- more of a system here though like and maybe yes. it depends on, on industry so like um like i always frame america as like they have they basically have the best and worst of humanity like when you do stuff <laughs> your levels are crazy <laughs> right like tech and and all of that innovation and all of that stuff but when you do it bad it's yeah. fucking awful as well um yeah so but yeah here i feel like yeah i don't know i i've always felt the doors were open over in the states first like maybe talking from a film perspective, Mm -hmm. um, like acting for like a person of color to get through, like, I don't know, like it feels like the States, okay, for acting, right? Like you guys had to champion Idris at 45 or 40 before we were like, oh yeah, he's actually good. He's ours. And that always happens. Like a lot of the the amazing talent that we have here and maybe specifically the people of color, um, directors and and stuff like that, they have to go over to the States. Music, I think we've always had had a musical legacy. Um, yes. in the UK yeah, and Britain, um, I agree. On, yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, but oh other God. industries, I think tech, I think film, um, advertising, that type of stuff, mm. I do feel like you guys still open open the doors and, and allow us to have permission a little bit more. Um, we're still slow in the up. Fashion, I think, again, we're, we're Europe in general are pretty, yeah, pretty good with that as well.
0: Well, with music, like there's something in the water over there or something. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what it must be? Like the arts are just more respected, yeah, and valued. I think in the UK, like the underground art scene mm. is more respected in the UK, it seems like, than in America top 40 reigns in the U S in England. It's like ah, okay. the underground thing is, is almost mainstream because people respect music. I don't
1: know, but I think like, so, so like as a New Yorker and like just someone who was in high school in the nineties, you know, and seeing like, if we're talking about hip hop. Like it was in my opinion, like the America like was at an 11, you know, like, especially what was going on in New York, I'll I'll just go East mm. Coast. I'm not saying East Coast versus West Coast, you know, thing. But, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not trying to get, like, Suge Knight on my ass. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> one, want no, one wants, no one wants that. Unclear, unclear if he's locked up or not, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but, like, I don't know. It's, like, I, I can say that, like, in the 90s, I don't know you can say that I'm wrong like I feel like I think
0: hip-hop that... is an American art right but then so, right now there's like, that
1: the British hip like the London hip-hop scene I feel like I'm taking a lot like right now from like what is going on there versus what's going on here
0: you know what yeah they made yeah. it better yeah. <laughs>
3: the night the nineties thing you're so you're so bang on so i used to host a massive karaoke night in london which was the biggest karaoke night i think arguably in the uk and it was called yeah and it was called 90s karaoke oh my god that
0: That would like listen when the pandemic is over can you do another one and
3: can i come (laughs) it absolutely banged it popped it was like we were it was going off for like three years to a point where we'll fill in like a place called clapham grand which is like Thousands of people coming in, just and there's this one massive karaoke stage, right? And the whole thing was 90s music. It was 90s music, but it was also 90s immersive, where we dressed the whole place up in 90s vibes, 90s computer games, 90s photo booth. And I would say (laughs) over 95% of the songs available on the karaoke Mm -hmm. to choose from was all American bangers, man. Yeah, I can't even remember one UK song at all.
2: Like, what were people, like... Choosing, oh my god, like LL Cool J, DMX, yeah. like, yeah, from Ray J, like that's obviously this is later on, like right. in the 2000s, but Mary J Blige, like, everyone, Alicia Keys, Usher, go totally. further back, I don't even know, like, Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown, like, jay's
4: 2 that's when I'm like,
2: America. Yeah, Diana, that's a I, good I point. A I think statement about
0: like- all music, but it's really, you know, you have to look at different genres and where they come from culturally. And obviously, like, you know, hip hop was like born in the U.S. Right. in many ways. But um, yeah, I guess I'm thinking of more like other genres of like indie music and stuff like that, where I always feel like yeah. the U.K. has been more Pushing that forward, yeah, we
4: did like innovate Ew. and move. I think it moved quite often. So there'd be so many little sub subcultures like new rave and then garage and then grime and then drill. And like I think yes. they kind of
2: have electronic pockets music and they
4: just keep innovating and keep, yeah. Whereas it's not like a broad like I don't know if that's just because hip hop is so broad now, yeah, um, mm-hmm. and everything just gets pushed into one this one thing where we like to to categorize and and rename them like you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. stuff.
2: I'm like landing on something in real time. So please be, uh, what's the word? I don't know, fluid with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, I think that hip hop and R&B is music of the African-American like diaspora. And in the UK, we culturally, we tend to know where people originate from. Mm-hmm. So we're, a li- we're, we're like a two generations, like close to the source um, mm-hmm. at the moment anyway. Like And so what happened, I think in the nineties was like, hip hop and American culture was where, because of broadcast, right? So like Hollywood, like television, everything, we had like this complete lens onto America all the time. Like when you think about, um, uh, you know, like cable television, like we were watching like MTV, and those were the main channels where we were getting all of our um, all of our media, and then we only had one um, channel, which was Channel U, and Channel <laughs> U played like that. What the beginning of grime was like the original grime, but this was it's like true. we yeah it's so budget <laughs> because going back to the arts, um, and when you know your comment um, Aaron about film right. Like in America, I noticed this when I've been to LA, like if I go to make a film in, a, in LA and I'm like, cool, my day rate is like, I don't know, like $1,000 a day. Cool. Most people are like, great, like we'll pay your day rate because that is the trade mm-hmm. in yes. Hollywood, right? So it's respected. Whereas over here, the arts are respected, but only the historical European traditional arts so like you, you don't you either like work underground for ages, and then as soon as you get the cosign, which is how it works, it's about who you know in and class in in the UK. And so once you start to now move into cred- credibility, so like the Mercury Awards or um, you'll start, you know, like you're a BAFTA nominated person. Once you get those, the accolades or the co of the institutions, that's mm. when you start to move in those circles and then your price goes up and your access goes up. But to get your foot through the door is, is a lot harder. And so a lot of us still now are all creating on the ground with no backing and no respect to the art that we're creating bringing mm. in all of all of that stuff mm. um and then like to add on to that in terms of the music here um because we're closer to like the source it means that the hip-hop and r and I think is always going to be dominated where where it started right which is in America I think when we're thinking about like Afrobeats and when we're thinking about um and Afrobeats is derivative of like high life mm.
4: and when you
2: garage and house like these are electronic sounds but a lot of them were influenced by like caribbean music um Mm -hmm. and you know a mixture of lots of others but again it's like how much access do we have to where the original source point is Mm -hmm. and i think it's messed up because also the you this is all tied in and you were asking what our opinions were in america Mm -hmm. but it's like a lot of the times i feel like britain is like the Britain's the actual beast, right? It's like the silent beast that colonizes like, the it's, whole world, right? And then America is like the loud cousin that that like just does what it wants to do, but is a byproduct of yes. what Britain yes. is, yeah. and so like we're silently sitting here, and and I say we, I'm just saying Britain, sitting here and being like judgmental, being like we're not as crazy as the Americans, like they're dumb, they're stupid, like, all of these like stereotypes that we create, but coming from the place of like orchestrating all of that. Um, and then and I think that's, and then you get people from America that totally admire like the British culture and that's the complex right it's like this constant cycle because another sweeping statement as well is when I so I used to work at summer camp in New York and in San Francisco Mm. so I spent like lots like every year I would spend about three to four months in America so two months at camp and then about a month and a half just traveling and so I've been in all of the places where like I've had like a white man like with a gun being like get off of my property I've had like yeah, a white wow. man in my cafe putting his gun on the table like what are you looking at and like then then but then I've also it's gone true. into like really like and I've also been in like um like Inglewood where someone being like hey can I take a picture of you on your camera and I was like dude like you're gonna run off my camera come on, <laughs> come on you're doing but then also there's been like I've been in bars where it's been like full of love and like festivals and i went to afropunk before it was like what it was when it was just in um what was the park i can't remember the park in brooklyn it's where it started in,
0: um, is it the one in fort green the one in fort green yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah 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 so there's like been this like experience that i've had of all of this you know all of the different isms i suppose um and something that someone told me along the way and i don't know how like true okay. this is but it was like when the colonization was happening around the world there was like still levels of whiteness right and like british whiteness has always been the top of the food mm-hmm. chain like that is the aspirational whiteness that that even white people want to get to right and then while when so what the now we're, when we're talking about the louder cousin like the byproduct was that the dutch and the irish mainly then went and found america and what during that time they were able to create a new brand of white. So it was like, now we're white American. And so now you have white American versus white British. And they both have two different identities because the source points are completely different. Because... Mm -hmm. Value here is generational wealth. Like it's not about how much land you have; it's about the history on on that grade listed property, and how many um, what lineages, how it's been passed down, whose name are you attached You're to? Pedigree. Do you have a exactly? And so I think all of that like feeds into the the tension between the two countries, and then how as diaspora, how we have been handled, and what mentalities we then continue to hold ourselves. Um,
4: yeah Yeah, i I wanted to ask a question off the back of off the back of that almas actually which is interesting like do you so like something we we have here is that kind of um obedient good immigrant um cultures that like that. the, the south asians are usually seen as like the um token good immigrant here and there's this kind of weird like Nod like our parents vo- voted for Brexit just to give you an idea. <laughs> so it's like they it? still look back, yeah, they still look back at, um, Rotten. I guess, um, what is it not colonialism, but uh, what's that? What's what's, what's <laughs> news TV, is Aaron? like, wait, what? <laughs> news <station is> <laughs> yeah. have you not spoken to dad? Because, like, they look back at the royal like royalty, what is the um, royalist no what is that group where the british kind of it's not commonwealth. they look at the commonwealth Uh,
0: the
4: the commonwealth is like all of these countries that were kind of like brought back to with the uk but they look at it as a golden age like does the south asian community have that in the states like we have this like oh it was we have this link to whiteness and you know back in the 50s and 40s with the commonwealth and stuff um does that exist in the states Like, like adhering
0: My parents' generation, I think so. I mean, my mom is, like, essentially... I mean, she grew up in a certain class in India, and she's British in many ways, you know, like, culturally in many ways. Like, the literature that she read, the the way that she (laughs) speaks English, tea time, you know, all these things are, like, very bred into indian culture i mean you can't ignore the colonization of india yeah, 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 for yeah, yeah, so yeah, many yeah. years that they're still trying to break away from so that mm. i definitely see it in my parents generation a lot um and then i feel like i just i see that in my parents and i'm like i don't want to be that Like that's not <laughs> yeah. me i see yeah. that and i see how um kind of like harmful that is and how Mm -hmm. difficult that must have been for her she doesn't even realize it but like but injured. can i ask
1: you a question yeah has any of you know the i'll say the britishness transferred down to you any of it
0: oh yeah i mean i definitely have like elitist views Well, with music, it's like my favorite band is Radiohead, you know, and like <laughs> that whole intellectual thing is like, I think it's a good thing. And I recognize that it's kind of fucked up, too, you know, mm-hmm. so like. Well, and I think also
1: just to like whatever and Indra, you and I were talk, talk a lot about it on the podcast and not to like put the magnifying glass on you is, you know, we we always talk about who we're attracted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know we're walking, like yeah. walk around with like little hearts in our eyes, and it was interesting, like what you what you said, you know, about like Army Hammer and like who. Oh.
0: <laughs> Don't link me to Army no, 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 Hammer,
1: he's please. A fucking piece of shit. And we've obviously gone on and on about him, but just like about yeah. like you know what, what why you're attracted <laughs> he's to him, right? No. <laughs> Yeah, why you're you're attracted to who you're attracted to, which yeah. was like blew me out of the water as just something mm-hmm. like I never really had to think about. You well, know?
0: I think Almas talked about it earlier, but yeah. kind of this like, I really related a lot to what you said about like, I was just trying not to be South Asian growing up and like to mm-hmm. suppress that part of myself as much as mm-hmm. I could. And I've grown up in very white, places in the US Mm -hmm. and Ithaca New York and in Boulder which are both very predominantly white so I was one of the only brown people around and everyone I'm seeing around me is white all media is about white people the only brown people I'm seeing are my brothers who I'm like I can't be like (laughs) I'm not attracted to that you know I'm attracted to whiteness (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm a, um, You know, um, no incest here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm attracted to whiteness. I'm attracted to the typical like football, playing yeah. like American football, like letter jacket, you know, John what I was saying. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So and like yeah, that yeah. part of me, I like I have to be very honest that that is who I am. And mm-hmm. also acknowledge how messed up that is, and I do feel like I get excited when I'm ex- when I'm like attracted to a South Asian man, which is like so messed up. Like Riz Ahmed is like the hottest oh, guy yeah. ever. We're like one hundred percent so hot do when you he think, showed he, up on my hbo screen i was like i love myself again
3: <laughs> you <know? laughs> do you think if if riz ahmed was like wasn't riz ahmed and he was just a guy that walked past you in the street do you think you'd have the same attraction
0: that's a really good question i, would. I mean I i'm white so. but like i, I would yeah <laughs> but I don't i'm know. attracted to like everyone though yeah
3: you don't discriminate <laughs> I, I get that man
0: that's a good question though because i do ignore brown people in terms of attractiveness sometimes yeah. because I'm like, that's not an option. Indra, can know? I ask, yeah. can I
1: ask who was the first brown person that you were like, I'm attracted to this person?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. Not
3: They can't be a cartoon. They have to be a real person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we went, we took a trip to India once. My family took a trip to India once and, um, We used one driver to take us around Delhi the whole time. We, like, hired a service, and the driver was really hot. (laughs) And I remember, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember being, like, kind of stunned that I was, like, finally I had found someone who is and maybe it was because I was in India and I was finally around a bunch of brown people mm, and it was mm. like okay these are my options you know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so messed up I feel like yeah I people are you like know judging what? me
3: I, no. <laughs> you're just so right man I always think about these odd things man I think there's so many different layers to attraction and so many of them are unconscious due to our conditioning our cultural <laughs> upbringing and socialization and whatnot and trying to pinpoint that shit for me, it's been so interesting. Mm. Random question to you guys, because these are the kind of things I think about, right? But do you think, or actually, I'll take it back. Like when I was younger, coming up as a young adolescent male, the only pornography that was available to me at the time was page three in the Sun newspaper. I don't know if you guys know anything about this.
4: Excellent
3: like a tabloid okay right so there's a tabloid um mainly right-wing newspaper that's still published here in the uk called the sun and on page three of the sun was a topless woman right and that was the only access to naked women i had as a young man and the majority of those women in the well they were all white and so automatically i started to whether it's consciously or unconsciously link sexual arise arousal to white women and for a long time i couldn't sexualize any woman that wasn't white until i unpacked that later on i don't know if i'm making any sense no that makes a lot of sense
0: Uh, i think it's interesting because it's like what we had in the states indra did you have cinemax growing up yeah but i didn't have my parents wouldn't pay for cable in true south asian form so we had did you so we had this thing called we called it
1: Skinamax, which was like softcore porn. <laughs> and and I, from what I remember growing up, it was always like white characters. And for me, the mm. first thing I saw that was semi-sexual that was in a, like a public forum was on HBO. They used to have this thing called like Taxi Cab Confessions. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have that?
4: No. So basically
1: <clears throat> it was in the 90s and they would put a video camera in a taxi and like film it from, I mean, it was so evolved, like so ahead of its time. It would start it at like 10 p.m. and ended at like the video at like 5 a.m. And so wow. you would get all these like <clears throat> castic characters Brilliant. coming out of the bars. And I'm sure you'll get it on YouTube. <laughs> and that was the first time I saw like sexualization or like sexual. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Of like yeah. different cultures and like different people, because I know I grew up in like such a white space. And, um and it also was like, I need to move to New York City, like, but, um, <laughs> and, and it would be like, you know, maybe they're making out in the back or like talking about like, some sexual event that just happened. And for me, that was like my first indulgence into because in the 90s, I couldn't get like pornography, I you know, or just like, Maybe my brother had magazines that I didn't know of, but it was mostly about white men telling white kids telling me what Mm. sex was, which Mm. is fucked up, you know, and like why I think it's really important. I have two sons of like introducing them to sex rather than having people talk about it in like a right educated space like other kids. Yeah, Yeah. I don't even know if I'm answering the conversation, but
2: yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, I, I laughed earlier right because I, I know that uh, earlier on in the chat I said that I've dated primarily black people right black guys black women as well and like I'm smiling because actually there was a phase during the led by the US in media when I was really into white guys like white American guys <laughs> like I loved like watching like Things like 902. Or I was no, gonna say like, oh, I, Yeah, I was, yeah, like, yeah. Look like, Perry. Then, <laughs> but then before <laughs> that, right, I grew up watching like um, what's the one with um What's her name? Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Mm. And like, so this like that, that's where my viewing started in like white teen, like America. And then I remember being so excited that I was going to like this Christian school because I was like, oh, amazing. There's going to be like loads of white guys there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and oh, the white guys in America are like tanned and muscular. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of like a saying by the I- bell, like. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. The English
4: I'm guy, Ron weed <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, and then I walk into like my school, and I'm like, the white guys here are not like the white guys yeah. <laughs> on telly. Like, they're heavy. they either like Ron Weasley, <laughs> or they're like. <laughs> <"What?"> <laughs> and Ron these is like the, the middle oh, class God. version, right? Like, but actually, realistically, uh, I'm a working class person, so. Where it ends, like that's the circles <laughs> that I had access to. I yeah. didn't have yes. to the Ron Weasley access, like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I didn't, and so I was like, Oh no, this is not like I think maybe also on television, we saw you know, there were like. 18-year-olds playing like 13-year-olds, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, now, like, oh yeah, the people here do not look like what is on television. So I'm just going to have to reassess and like change, switch it up because it's not working. I even had like fancy, like the guy who was in the Barney movie. I don't know what his name was. <laughs> like this is age appropriate. I was yeah. of the age. Barney. I think his name was, his name was probably like what Cody or that. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: that's, it's so true. It's like, what do you see?
3: Barney's Great Adventure.
2: So hell? I, was that
0: age.
2: <laughs> I was that age, so it was like the first, like, like um looking at like, oh, these these people are like my age, yes. right? I can have, like I cannot have a crush on them, and I was like wanting to meet my Cody man, like yeah. in like no but it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> totally, I remember being. Did you do you guys know about the
0: show Ghostwriter? No, uh, it was a writer very, or writer. Writer.
4: It it was a very yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PBS. It yeah, was like a goat give them clues and stuff. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I remember yeah, yeah. like that was around when I was like realizing I had crushes and things like that, and I thought all the white boys on that show were so cute. And it's just like these are these are the things that I saw on my screens. They were held mm. up as like this is good, and it's it's so gratifying to see so much TV and mov- and movies being made now that feature people of color. I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. like a prerequisite now, which mm-hmm. it always mm-hmm. should have been, but it's yeah. like, and it's not even just, oh, we have more people of color on this show. It's like, this show features people of color. Like, this yeah. is about this community of color. And like, it just, it changes everything. Commercials in America now they all have interracial couples. They all have like people of different, um, you know, colors and backgrounds. And it's, it's beautiful to see it happening. Honestly, it's like, well,
1: and I think it's also interesting. Like um, what Supa was talking about how Issa Rae, you know, cause she was on um...
0: insecure. Oh, awkward black yeah. girl. Oh no. You're talking about our other guest, Sujata. Oh
1: yeah. Sorry. Sujata. Um, she was talking about how people behind the uh, Behind the scenes, hundred percent behind the camera. That's what like I think is interesting that you have people like taking control of what's going on on a set completely. Rather than just what we see through the lens,
0: can you guys tell us about your creative pursuits as South Asians in the UK?
4: Because, wow, we We want to highlight
0: that we really do, obviously.
4: I guess I I can start just based on the last comment though, like because I think this is one of the reasons that we've definitely done the pod because I think there's these kind of like few stages where like diversity and inclusion and stuff was kind of going through that first like growing pains of like, okay, getting people of color and different backgrounds on screen. And I think what we're fighting for now is like, no, we you need those people at the table making these decisions because then you're not gonna have, you know, like the H and M monkey mistake and things like that. they it just, those, you know, like those blind spots are covered and there's so much nuance like down to casting, right? Like, I think when I done my short, I was saying to Ruben, it was like, This short was about how I got into the industry, like in fashion and and, and advertising. And it's like just trying to cast a South Asian, a a dark skinned South Asian guy. Like I was like, okay, I'm a I'm a a South brown South Asian man that wants to direct this film. Cool. I'm behind the camera. That's that's a step forward. But when you get to the casting pool, there's no there's no one to choose from. So, um, yeah, all those 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 kind of nuances, like having like yeah people behind the camera on casting on scripting on writing i think it's for, for us or well definitely for me it's a no-brainer you're just gonna get much better quality stuff and yeah. varied stuff you're not just gonna get the repeated shit that we're all bored of you're just gonna get like and i i always say like insecure was like the best thing i've seen in the last 10 years we have a british kind of piece called um i'm blanking now uh catastrophe and it's kind of similar it's written by a woman an English woman or Irish Irish woman even but I was just like yeah I want to see more stuff written direct produced by women mm-hmm. like what the fuck like that's like it's just showing stuff experiences that as a dude I've never experienced but it's fresh mm-hmm. it's innovative it's fun so um yeah I think that's important I don't know if Ruben and Amos want to jump in on the full career stuff <laughs> um yeah, I think for me, I've mainly
3: been navigating the entertainment space, right? As um, I've done stand up for a couple of years, I've done a lot of presenting and hosting, working towards TV shows online and, and in-house and whatnot. And what I've found is that number one is very clicky. Um, you, and it's, it's majority controlled by the white middle class as is most of the world right so that's no difference over here in the creative industries. and i was all and going back to what aaron was saying and what i think you all agree on is that the people that are making this the decisions are still primarily middle-class white men so what they're letting through as gatekeepers is going to be within their interests right so it makes more sense for us to get into those spaces where we are producing directing we are create making decisions and creating but but it's, hard, it's easier said than done, because if we go back to what we were saying about the stories that are handed down to us by our parents, a lot of us anyway, we're, we're, we're ushered away from those spaces. So my hope is that more of the next generation of South Asian people and just people of colour can start seeing themselves and believing they can, they can be in that spaces to start infiltrating to then get up to those to, i mean infiltrating is not the greatest word but you know what i mean like leaking or whatever yeah. just to get into those spaces further Occupying, than I guess, yeah. Occupying, yeah and at the same time it's building what we possibly can from the ground up in other spaces and in other ways as well because ultimately in the institution and the machine is going to be extremely hard to change and, and, and as far as i know systems change takes at least 10 years do you know what I mean? So while we're inside trying to change the system as best as we can, it also makes sense to do our own shit on the outside and both of those things kind of work in tandem. But um yeah, I think to answer your question, it, is, so it was so exhausting for me that I was like, fuck it, I, 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 I'm out of the system, fuck this, I'm out. I don't want to do it anymore because I have to constantly play a role and pretend that I'm someone I'm not and my life is ticking away mm. and I can't, keep doing that so i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna create what i need to create and just try to live my life as an artist in a most fulfilling way without having to like bow down to the system it's too much for me man Mm. almas i hear
2: you yeah no I, i i hear you because on my on my worst days that's how i just feel like oh my god like the wall is just it's like brick in front of steel in front of people and and then it's equations and then after that it's like do you have the money do you have the name like it's just so many barriers to like get through before you're actually in the room and then when you're in the room you're like trying to decode like what people are actually saying because it's language that you you don't know or you haven't been um privy to I suppose and uh, similar I think to Rubes and Aaron like I'm probably the not the only person that's creative in my family but I've definitely been one of the people that has continued at it no matter what and a lot of that is down to having the support system of my mum and my stepdad Martin and that support system looks like picking me up and dropping me off places or like my mum not forcing me to like pay rent for example so I can use that money and my money usually goes back into my creative projects um in terms of the spaces that I occupy, I work across music, film, art, and alternative education. And from jump, I I identified early that I didn't want to keep on trying to sell myself to people who were intent on not actually like listening to what I was saying, because it wasn't good for my confidence and it wasn't good for for my the way that I viewed myself because it then meant that I was valuing myself based on other people and that wasn't good for me so I ended up looking peer-to-peer and collaborating and making stuff with the people around me like Ruben and Aaron about a decade ago and then other people in our communities that were also doing similar things so just making stuff for the sake of making stuff and that became like my life force in a lot of ways it was like that was the pull right I kept on dipping into it and being like no this is cool this is cool um now in terms of how we are now moving in the arts, something that I am doing intentionally is going back to my history as a South Asian woman, also looking at what the modern South Asian revival is looking like as well. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I think that the key to... I think you said infiltrating, but also occupying groups, like the key to to move basically in those spaces, right, is to understand that when it comes to things that are about us or that affect us, we are actually the experts. And that's that's the power tool that has been used against us a lot of the time because you don't know the language, you don't know what this ecosystem looks like. So you don't feel like you have the confidence to, to assert yourself, but more so than that, you don't know who you are because actually like all of the history that we've been taught and the way that we've been handled um, has been through primarily a European lens or a white lens Um, and so the reason why I've been actively going and doing the research so finding South Asian musicians like going to India is because when I step into the room and someone wants to ask me about my culture, or I just want to comment on it. I just have a stronger voice because I am who I am. And I'm not gonna be, and that and that also allows me to respect who that person is too, where regardless of where they're from. As much as it's um, you know, every day we're living alongside each other, right? And you know, we're we're kind of yeah, we're just living along with each other. And I think the powerful thing is to embrace and reframe. South Asian-ness in order to be the expert and to challenge what we've been told about ourselves Um, because when we actually really look at it we do have a history of art rich 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 arts in South Asian culture whether it be through dress whether it be through music whatever it is and so all of the ideas and the stereotypes that have been created about being mathematicians or being lawyers or doctors that's there too because we're obviously smart and talented but the arts bit is so big, like Bollywood is a bigger industry than Hollywood, guys. Like, do you know what I mean? And so if we really just feel like, see it for ourselves and feel connected to it, I think that's, that's the key to moving in the spaces and being empowered to be able to contribute to the conversation. Um, and I think that's what also soft power looks like. So it's not trying to displace someone else. It's like, no, do you know what? There's space in the room for me too. And I know my shit, but come in and be part of the conversation. Come in and be curious. Like, how do we make the next like sitcom that's a hit sitcom that really shaping the next few gens and what what does that look like and feel like by diversifying our thought by getting the different people in the room?
0: So well said. <laughs> that is so, I have so many things <laughs> in that. Um, Aaron, tell us a little bit about, about your creative pursuits and then also your podcast. I know I have to go in a second. My kid is knocking on the door, but um, yeah, Aww. go ahead, Aaron. Yeah,
4: so I could, where, where I stand now, obviously, the, the podcast is is a huge part. I'm working on a few different things. So I, I mainly now operate as a filmmaker. So I have, like, my background is kind of fashion and commercials, um, and I kind of just pivoted and moved that into, like, a, a, a content Studio around, yeah, luxury lifestyle brands, and then this year, well, last two years, I've been kind of transitioning over to um, like cinematic documentary So we, I've had like a big, big project that we just started to pitch out to the big Amazon, Netflix studios and stuff. And without revealing too much, it's around um, immigrant food culture, which is I'm super, 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 super excited about. I think that's going to be dope. So that's the bit that that's like one of the big projects. Um I have a side project called The Asian Man. It's um started off as an Instagram account, which basically came out of a frustration during the fashion week circuits. I basically didn't see enough brown men on the on the runways. And I was like, actually, what like what's going on here? So I started spotlighting really cool, stylish brown men. That's kind of turned into a mini community and we're working on like a nice little coffee table book. Um, for that and then the podcast is where it like we we started this off in in the lockdown Um, and yeah that was born out of similar frustrations me Ruben and Almas kind of like realizing there's this the South Asian community are on the cusp of like redefining who they are um, and just starting to see like really interesting people across the arts and media doing interesting stuff and we're like you know what actually instead of this conversation being defined for us by others we want to actually own that conversation and start shaping it and also learning right like literally i think we all had different drivers as to why we wanted to do the pod but for me one of them is like i just want an excuse to go and speak to someone that i think is really dope doing something interesting without just a cool code email uh, and the podcast is that kind of facilitates that in a not creepy way um so yeah it's all around kind of like shining a light on kind of unrepresented cultures um and moving the culture forward. That's like the breadth of my work, whether that floats between film, cinema, podcasting, media, commercials. Um, and I guess Ruben and Alice can kind of dive into the pod a little bit more.
3: Um, top line of the pod is the pod's
4: called What is This
3: Behavior? And it's in its in its simplest essence, It's conversations with South Asian people around the world that are going against the grain. And the grain here is currently defined as like stereotypical South Asian kind of jobs. Right. And the reason we're doing this is just to spotlight, just more South Asians around the world that are actually doing different things, which gives license to us as a community and as a people to go out and try to do different things, especially with the younger generation um and we're just learning and being inspired by and energized by the community really that's the top line of what the pod is and we're like 30 episodes in um and it's getting more and more exciting as we're moving forward man because there's just so much talent out there and so much dormant talent there's so much talent lying in within the community that hasn't been tapped due to fear due to doubt due to a lack of license really and we thought could we play a part in, in helping change that shit out man
4: and the pod mm. is what is this behavior podcast on IG and on Twitter it is W I T B underscore podcast. Yeah. Uh, and all cool. our social yeah. handles
3: are in the copy of that insta handle. You can find us and harass us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's awesome. Thank
3: you very much for having us oh on this gosh, show as well, guys. So like I love, really appreciate it. And well, let
0: Seriously. Okay, you guys are amazing. Like I so much respect we have to have you back absolutely maybe when there's some big release we can all talk about it
4: yeah totally this is
0: so much
2: fun and
4: it's so nice to connect
2: with you guys in the us like that's massive for us it's yes we love it yeah
4: and keep up the great work for you guys as well like what you guys are doing as well like i've only just listened to like one and a half but i'm gonna start deep diving on more So, hundred percent. Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Absolutely
2: (laughs) hilarious. Love it.
4: So good. All
2: right, guys. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye.
3: uh,